from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. If you have a family member or friend that you'd like to watch these powerful messages, tell them they can watch online at djkm.org, where we also have more resources, important articles, and great biblical content to build faith and answer important questions. There is such a thing as a holy ambition. So how ambitious are you for the Lord? Are there obstacles or challenges keeping you down and discouraged? Perhaps you should consider one man who lived through enormous difficulties and was on the brink of losing all hope. He was a galley slave rowing below deck on a French ship in the middle 16th century. During his time as a slave, he fell sick. He was so sickly that he asked his fellow slaves to lift him up so he could see the passing shoreline. There, he saw his hometown of St. Andrews, Scotland. He told his fellow slaves, I am fully persuaded how weak that ever I now appear that I shall not depart this life till that my tongue shall glorify his goodly name in that same place. Despite the horrid conditions, his holy ambition was to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to his nation. Later on in his life, he reportedly begged God in prayer, give me Scotland or else I die. That man was John Knox, and by God's grace, he survived his time as a galley slave to not only preach the word of God, but to help transform Scotland dramatically. What motivates your life and what is it that you are determined to accomplish for the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Today, Dr. Kennedy draws on the story of a very ambitious man in the Old Testament. Here is his powerful message, Give Me This Mountain. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 14th chapter of the book of Joshua. May we hear the word of God as it's found beginning with the 6th verse, Joshua 14, verse 6, the inspired and infallible word of the living God. The events narrated here transpired after the children of Israel had entered into the promised land, subjugated part of the people, and were about to portion out the land to the twelve tribes. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, 
Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Canish Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And may God speak to our hearts and minds this day through his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. Surely it is one of the most astonishing requests to be found anywhere in Scripture, perhaps anywhere in all of human history, if you think about it. Otherwise, you might just pass it by. But consider those brief words. Give me this mountain. Well, you say, what's so astonishing about that? Well, first of all, consider that it was Caleb who made that request of Joshua. Caleb, who now declared that he was 85 years old. Well, you say, surely he need a, needed a mountain retreat where he could go and put up his feet and rest. Well, not quite that simple. You see, there happened to be a bunch of pagans living there that weren't going to be too thrilled about Caleb coming to call. For in their opinion, Joshua had no right to give him or anyone else that mountain, which was their home. And if that doesn't indeed make you realize how unusual it was that this 85-year-old man wants to go climb a mountain 
which is crawling with hostile pagans and enter into a war. On top of that, the Anakim were there. Now these, of course, are the sons of Anak, who was a giant and who gave birth to a whole family, generation, tribe of giants. Of course, we know one of them, more up close and personal. Some years later, we run across one of the Anakim, the sons of Anak, by the name of Goliath. Now, Goliath was a very big man. Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. Who knows how much he weighed? Probably six or eight hundred pounds. And I'm sure that Caleb was probably considerably shorter than I am, probably half a foot. People weren't that big generally in those days. So here's this five and a half foot man, probably weighing 150 pounds saying, give me that mountain. And he's 85 years old. How do you explain a thing like that? Well, listen to what Caleb says. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me as a spy into the land, as my strength was then. Even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. So what? So what if his strength were as it was 45 years earlier? He's still dealing with people that are at least twice his size, probably four times his weight, and almost twice his height. So obviously that really doesn't explain it. We have to go a bit further. In the next verse, Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake. Then he says, If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And typical of the whole life of this man Caleb who is surely a hero by anybody's description of the term, was based upon his faith and trust in the Lord. And so we have this amazing description of Caleb, which is given not once or twice or three times or four or five, but six different times in the Bible we read the same thing about Caleb. I don't know of anybody else that we read this about like this, but it says he wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed the Lord. And therein, my friend, lies a great lesson. I trust that most of us here endeavor to follow the Lord, but the problem is that most of us partially follow the Lord. How about you? Have you wholly followed the Lord? Have you obeyed the voice of the Lord and done what he has told you? I think of that memorable instance in the life of Saul, 
the first king of Israel. When God told him through Samuel the prophet to go into the land of the Amalekites and to destroy them wholly, man and beast, everything was to be destroyed. It was accursed. And so Saul and his army went, and some days later the victorious army returned. And when Saul saw Samuel, he said that he had wholly obeyed the Lord. Now, God had already said to Samuel that the kingdom was being plucked out of the hands of Saul because he had disobeyed him and not obeyed his voice. He had been told to destroy everything, man and beast. And now Saul comes and says, I have wholly obeyed the Lord. And Samuel uttered those unforgettable words, Then what meaneth this bleating of sheep in my ears. And there, with the army, were the flocks of the Amalekites. What meaneth this bleating of sheep in my ears? It was the sound of partial obedience. Does it really make any difference? Saul had wiped out the entire Amalekite army, but he had not obeyed wholly the word of the Lord. And God snatched his kingdom away from him. He was defeated in battle. His son was killed. He was killed. His head was taken off. His body was nailed to a wall and then taken And in shame it was burned because he partially followed the Lord. I wonder, my friend, how many of us could say, I wholly followed the Lord as Caleb did. It was out of that obedience that came the strength and the courage that made this man a hero for God. And those down through the years who have been great heroes have been men and women that wholly followed the Lord. Have you thus followed him? If so, then as William Carey, the first of the Protestant missionaries, said in a motto which I have tried to make one of mine, he said, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. That is an act of faith, expecting great things from God. It was that expectant faith that led Caleb to say, give me this mountain, because he believed that God was going to do it. What I would like to know today from each of you is, where is your mountain? Do you have one? Do you have one in your sights, in your prayers, in your expectations? Attempt nothing for God 
expect nothing from God. Tragically, this is the attitude of many, many church members who are not wholly following the Lord. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Thomas Brooks said, every man obeys Christ as he prizes Christ and no otherwise. Thomas Brooks also said, the obedience that springs from faith is the obedience of a son and not of a slave. And John Calvin declared, we cannot rely upon God's promises without obeying God's commandments. And Billy Graham said very clearly, understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. Have you wholly followed the Lord? Are you serving him? What is your mountain for Christ? Some don't even have so much as a molehill that they're trying to claim for the Lord. A molehill inhabited by ants would be far too much effort for some. What is your mountain? What are you endeavoring to do for Christ? I recall reading years ago about a retired railroad engineer having just retired from the railroad and not feeling trained to do much of anything in the spiritual realm, he decided the one thing he could do was to invite people to church. And so he would go out during the week and invite all kinds of people to come to church. And before he died, about 10 years later, he had himself been responsible for bringing about 875 people into his church. Why, goodness gracious, if every Christian in America did one-tenth of that, America would have long ago been brought to Christ. America would be a Christian nation today in the truest sense of the word. And so many of these problems that we have would have disappeared. And I think it's interesting that it is only said about Caleb that he alone got rid of all of the pagan, the heathen that dwelt in his land. All of the rest of them left some of them there and they were a thorn in their flesh for centuries to come. But Caleb wholly followed the Lord and got rid of them all. And this became an inheritance for him and for his children until this day, we're told. And that was written many, many years later. And so America is our patrimony. It was given to us by godly people, but in the lifetime, certainly the white-headed ones among us We have let this patrimony slip through our fingers, and this has become a very ungodly nation. And this is the patrimony that we give to our children and grandchildren. Why? There haven't been the Christian heroes, the Calebs around, saying, give me this mountain. 
or give me this plane. There are 1,200,000 people in this county, and you know something? A million of them aren't even churched. Lord, give me this plane. This is the kind of faith that motivated John Knox in Scotland, who went out in the garden by his church and knelt down and wept and cried out, O Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Would that there was that kind of a concern to reach the people of this nation for Christ. Would that that kind of a concern was in your heart and the heart of everyone in this church. We could make a vastly greater impact than ever we have made before. 875 people brought into the church. How many? Members of this church are here because you brought them? Where is your mountain? May we pray. Father, make us men and women, boys and girls of faith. a faith that will lead to obedience and to holy following the Lord. And that faith and obedience will lead to courage and a desire to follow Christ because we prize him above all else in this world. Lord, I pray that you'll work mightily in the hearts of all of the people here, that they may desire to be like Caleb and to have the courage to attempt great things for God and the faith to expect great things from Thee, O Lord. In Thy name, Amen. O Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Do you echo the words of John Knox when you think of your country or your city? Or ask like Caleb, give me this mountain. How different our communities or our nations would be if we had that kind of passion for souls. But you know, you really can't draw others to Jesus Christ unless you yourself know Him as your Savior and Lord. Have you come to the place in your life where you know absolutely for certain that you're going to be with God in heaven someday? Or would you say you're still working on that? And if you're still working on it, is it because you're trying to do enough good things to get into heaven? Friend, I have to say, it won't happen that way. You see, the scripture tells us that our very best efforts are like filthy rags before an all-holy God. Only Jesus Christ could pay the penalty for our sins and to purchase a place for us in heaven. And what's truly amazing is that He offers us heaven, eternal life, as an absolutely free gift. To receive this gift, we must transfer our trust from our own efforts to be good enough to what Jesus Christ did when He died upon the cross. If you'd like to receive this gift, we can go to God together in prayer right now. Simply pray with me saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner in my thoughts and in my words and in my deeds. I'm sorry and I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me and make me brand new. In your name I pray, amen. 
If you just prayed that prayer, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. To help you begin to grow in your faith, we want to send you Beginning Again. It's the book that Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers. To receive your copy, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. When you do, be sure to ask for Beginning Again. God bless you. Now more than ever, we need the courage and confidence that people like John Knox and Caleb displayed. America will not be made great by a political party or candidate, but rather through a transformation by the gospel and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are in the midst of a tumultuous time in our nation where our religious freedoms are under duress. However, we at D. James Kennedy Ministries plan to be extremely active in 2018, standing for truth and defending your freedom. We need to know what issues are most important to you as we chart our course for this pivotal year. Contact us to take the 2018 Spiritual State of the Nation survey. Fill it out and return it to us right away to make your voice heard. To request your survey, simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. And when you do, please prayerfully consider making a generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. As our thanks for your donation, we will send you the brand new book, Let Freedom Ring, featuring chapters from William J. Federer, Dr. Jerry Newcomb, Dr. Kennedy, and me, among many others. It explores America's founding principles and where a false idea of the separation of church and state and judicial legislating have steered us wrong. And it points the way forward to reclaiming our freedom. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $60 or more, we will send you Let Freedom Ring plus the original U.S. Congressional Handbook. This unique resource presented by the D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Statesmanship is a power-packed toolbox for engaging our government. It includes crucial information on every important leader in the executive branch as well as each member of Congress and contact information for their key staffers. It equips you with everything you need to know to be responsible and active in the cause of biblical truth. Contact us right away to receive your Spiritual State of the Nation survey to let your voice be heard. And please consider including a generous donation so that we can send you the book Let Freedom Ring as our thanks. And for a generous donation of $60 or more, we'll send you the book Let Freedom Ring plus the original U.S. Congressional Handbook. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 
or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.